بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله الذي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين In the previous session, we started the discussion about aims of Islamic education. We said that there are things that relate to our knowledge and understanding. We talked about it. Then we said there are things that relate to our desires and inclinations. So what type of interest we should develop in our trainees and what type of desires. We mentioned love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then we talked about having great hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then we ended the discussion about having a good opinion about the way Allah is going to treat us. There is a hadith from Imam Raza alayhi salam. Ahsan avanna billah. Ahsan avanna billah. Which will be ahsan avanna billah. Means you should have a good opinion about the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to treat you. فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلِّ يَقُولُ Because truly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is a saying from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in hadith, أَنَا عِنْدَ ظَنَّ عَبْدِيَ الْمُؤْمِنِ So we have this saying in our collections of Ahadith Qudsi, divine sayings, and in this hadith also is mentioned by Imam Razali Salam, Ana abdi al bi. I am close to what my believing servant thinks about me. إِنْ خَيْرًا فَخَيْرًا وَإِنْ شَرًا فَشَرًا If he thinks in a positive way, then it will be like that. If he thinks in a negative way, then it will be like that. Uh, if I say that, Inshallah, my affairs will go smoothly, everything will be all right, Allah is going to, Inshallah, forgive me, going to help me, going to make me successful. Then there is a great chance, we are not saying 100%, but there is a great chance that things happen like this, because you are, first of all, working with hope and with uh, positive attitude. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also blesses you, and then you would see that materializes. But if you say, no, I'm going to fail, and Allah is not going to help me, Allah is not going to forgive me, I'm sure, I'm sure, then that may happen. There is a 
discussion about Tatayur also, you know. You know Tatayur? Kalu enna Tatayarna means to develop negative, you know, feelings towards something and, you know, to say it be pessimistic in the pattern. Yeah, or you say, this is not going to work, you know, for example, you know, you come out and you see someone, uh, they say, oh, my day is then destroyed. <laughs> yes. So, in the Quranic sense, it's called tatayyur. We have in Surah Yasin, qalu enna tatayyur So, these are the things that uh, have some real impact. It's not something that has no real impact. But uh, we don't want to discuss it. That is another issue. Just we want to say that the students should be helped to develop this type of positive attitude, especially towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other thing is they should have deep respect for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something which we may call fear, but this is not negative fear. You know, sometimes fear is with respect to something which is frightening. Something which is worrying or dangerous. This is not the type of fear that we talk uh, when we say God-fearing people. We mean fear which comes with deep understanding of greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the responsibility that we have. And this is why we sometimes, instead of khawf, we use khashya. So khawf is okay because khawf is general. It can be used for positive fear or negative fear. But khashya is the fear which is coming with understanding of the greatness of the other party. The one or the object that you have fear towards. Because it's great you have khashya. And this is why Quran says, إِنَّمَا يَخْشَ اللَّهَ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ Among the servants of God, it is the ulama, the scholars, true scholars who have khashya. Because these are the people who understand the greatness of God. Whoever is more knowledgeable is expected to have more khashya. Sometimes I use this example that if you really love someone, <clears throat> you are very worried. In what sense? Not because that person is dangerous. You are very worried about not losing that person. So you do your best to please that person, not to do something to harm or damage your relation. In Munajat Sha'bani, we say, Ilahi al-Hakni bi-Nur Izzik al-Abhaj 
فأكون لك عارفة وأن سواك منحرفة ومنك خائفا مراقبة يا ذا الجلال والإكرام أو الله please let me join the light of your dignity بنور عزك the light of your honor and dignity which is the most joyful الأبحج if I get into that light then I become لك عارفة I become a person who knows you in a very intimate way and I would be deviated from others and sewaka munharifa I would not go towards others I would be totally absorbed by this attraction of the light of your honor so I don't go to other directions and towards others and I become minka khaifan muraqiba. I would become a person who has fear or awe towards you and very careful, muraqib. He would be watching himself, his actions, his words, his thoughts, so that he would not do anything to lose. O the possessor of glory and generosity of honor. So they should have our students, and of course, first off, as we said yesterday, everything we say it applies also to ourselves in the first place. So ourselves and our students should have this understanding of the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and feel totally responsible for making sure that what they do what they say what they plan would match this understanding of greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam is quoted as saying man kana billahi a'raf kana min Allahi akhwaf Whoever has more ma'rifa, more knowledge about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be more fearful, more fear, God-fearing. Amirul Mu'min salam also said, Ghayatul ilm al-khawfu min Allah subhanahu The end of knowledge means what you have to achieve through knowledge or the ultimate level of knowledge is fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way that we have explained. The other thing is rida, pleasure, to be pleased and content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decisions. This as a kind of orientation. We can talk about this also as a quality later. 
but as an orientation, as a you know desire, it's very important. There are lots of things to say about this, but I think it's clear. So maybe we don't need to go into details. This is one of the great qualities and also great desires that we, as Quran says, seeking face of God, seeking pleasure of God. This is very important. That what should give a mu'min motivation for action is seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the first level, what we do is that we try to do nothing against the pleasure of Allah. You try not to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala displeased or angry. But it should go further. You know, first you try not to do any haram. But gradually it should reach the point that your desire comes from seeking pleasure of God. So not only you don't do haram, you try to do everything with this intention of pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it can reach the point that even you're sleeping, you're eating, you're drinking, everything would be for pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The other thing which is very important is to have love towards others. So these are the things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but also we have to make sure that ourselves and our students have deep love for others. In Islamic ethics, and spirituality, love for Allah and love for the sake of Allah are closely connected. We cannot just say, I love God. I dedicate my life to God. And I try not to harm others. I try not to uh, offend anyone. But my commitment is to God only. We say, if your commitment is to God, you should know that God wants you to love also others. So, al-hubbu lillah is great. But al-hubbu lillah should lead to al-hubbu fillah. Love for God, if grows, if it is real, it would definitely lead to love for the sake of God. So anything that has connection with God, you would try to love. And is there anything which has no connection to God? Everything, <laughs> Everything is a creation of God. Everything is a manifestation of God. Everything is ayah, a sign for God. Kullu shay'in lahu 
Ayah. Everything is ayah for him. So, what should we do? We should try to understand how our love for God should develop into love for others. I have some lectures on this. Uh, I just mentioned two, three points. If you are interested, then you can refer to those lectures. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam one day asked his companions which handhold of the faith of Iman is the firmest? What is the one that if you manage to hold on you would be saved? Some said Salat, some said Zakat, Hajj. They mentioned different things. And these are very important things, but Rasulullah said, this is not the answer. Then they asked Rasulullah to say the answer by himself. They said, Allah wa Rasuluhu a'lam. God and his messenger know better. Then Rasulullah said, Al-hubbu fillah wal-bughdu fillah. To love for the sake of God and to dislike for the sake of God. If I love someone or something should be for the sake of God. If I have no interest or I dislike, it is for the sake of God. Because human beings can be judged can be evaluated based on their love and hatred. Based on that, you can understand whether a person is a good person or not. There is another hadith that Musa salam, was asked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Musa, what have you done for me? He said, I have said prayer, salat. I have fasted, so I have given zakat, alms. The hadith says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is not my answer. Your prayer has this benefit for you. Your fasting has this benefit. Zakat has this benefit for you. What have you done for me? Musa salam said, Dullani ala al-amal alladhi huwa lak. Please, you tell me what's the action which is for you. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, Halwa laytali wadiyan wa'adaytali adubman. Have you ever loved someone for my sake? Have you ever developed a relation of Velaya with someone for my sake? Not because he is from your, I don't know, family or tribe or, you know, even from your, for example, same background. No, just for my sake. Someone that maybe is from another part of the world, 
looks very different, speaks different language, but just because you know that he is connected to me, you love him. فَعَلَمَ مُوسَى عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ After Musa heard this, he realized أَنَّ أَفْضَلَ الْأَعْمَالِ الْحُبُّ فِي اللَّهِ وَالْبُغْضُ فِي اللَّهِ The best of the actions is to love for the sake of God and to dislike for the sake of God. You shouldn't have any selfish involvement here. You know, many times... We love people because they have been good with me or they have a relation with me. And we don't love some people because they have not been good with me or they have no respect for me or we don't understand each other. But this is not good reason. If someone is a friend of Allah, I should love him. If someone is... A servant of Allah, I should love. If something is a creation of Allah, even an animal, even a plant, a flower, I should love. Because there is nothing except it's a creation of God. Yes, if there is someone who is doing mischief, who is trying to take people away from Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, I don't love this action of that person but still i love him and this is why i want to help him stop if i don't love him i don't want to help him if rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't have love for people even the pagans would have he tried and done his best to guide them as a teacher can you say, I only love good students? No. Polite and respectful and hardworking students? No. You have to love all your students. Maybe some of them have merits for which you love them more, but some may have problems for which you have more concern for them. Yeah? So imagine... Even at home, if you have two children, one of them is very good, very pious, very polite, very successful. Another one has some problem. You may love the one who is better, but you have more concern, more attention towards the one who has more problems. Yeah? Maybe actually this person takes most of your time because you want to help. So, when prophets and messengers come, they are not saying that we partition people. These are the people that are my people and I love them. The rest, I don't want them or I don't bother about them or, you know, I curse them or I want, you know, them to disappear. This is not the mentality of the prophets. A very moving story is when Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the battle of Uhud after being injured after losing 
many Muslims, including Hamza. Hamza, who was known as Sayyid al-Shuhada before Karbala, was so brutally killed. Many Muslims were killed. Islam was defeated. And the pagans were very close to finishing everything. If they had just gone few steps further and killed Rasulullah, then Islam could be stopped. In that very, very critical moment, did Rasulullah curse them? No. You know, Rasulullah has said, Ma Allah has not sent me to curse people. You can never curse if you love. You know, sometimes even mothers or sometimes maybe fathers, when they get angry, they curse their own children. This is very bad. You think then they become better? If you are really upset with your child, never curse him. I still pray for him. Because if you curse him, you are just making it worse for him and for yourself. It's just anger that you, you don't know what you are doing. You are just adding to the problem. So when your heart is broken, just pray. So that inshallah they become better. In this way you grow and inshallah because Allah sees that despite you being hurt, you are praying for them. Allah inshallah will also improve the situation. So Rasulullah didn't curse. Didn't even keep silent. He prayed for them. He said, Allahumma hadi qawmi fa'innahum la ya'lamun. Oh Allah, please guide my people because they don't know. First, he says, qawmi. Still he considers them as his people. He doesn't say, Allahumma hadi a'da'i, for example. <laughs> guide my enemies. Guide these, you know, mushrikeen. He says, qawmi. My people. Because Quran tells us that the prophets, when they went to a nation, they considered them as their own people. And also, the prophet is like brother for them. And the prophets also used to tell them, Ya Qawm. So, please guide my people because they don't know. He's even bringing some excuse for them. He said, They don't know. Who are these people that Rasulullah says they don't know? They knew Rasulullah very well. They knew him and his ancestors. They lived with him 40 years before Islam, 13 years after Islam. <laughs> Imagine Rasulullah for 13 years was preaching there. And now it is few years that he's in Medina. Still, he says, they don't know. Because they needed more time. Many of these people later became Muslims. If Rasulullah had cursed them and asked Allah to destroy them, was it good? 
but because he was patient and loving and prayed for them, then they were guided. They needed time. They needed to wake up. You know, some people wake up quickly. Some people take them time to wake up. It's, it's not that everyone is reacting the same time. Some students in the first few days, you very well connect to them. Some student takes few weeks. Some student takes few months. Some student just towards end of the year. <laughs> you can understand them and they can understand you. So you should not lose your hope. Never ever lose your hope in your students because they are human beings and there is something valuable in them and that is their fitrah. That is the spirit that Allah says is my spirit. Allah has given to human beings a spirit which he attributes to himself as honor. We call it al-idhafatu tashrifiyya. It's not that Allah has taken his spirit and given us. It's like we say Kaaba is house of God. There are days which are days of God. Also Allah says human spirit is my spirit. So in all your students there is this spirit. So try to love them. Try to be patient. Pray for them. And inshallah Sooner or later, they would be showing signs of preparation, signs of waking up. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِي بِيَّدِهِ لَن تَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ by the one in whose hand my life lies, you will not enter heaven unless you are mu'min, and you are not mu'min unless you love each other. So the sign of iman is to love each other. Inshallah. When we talk about the attitude of Velaya, we come back to this issue of mutual love. The other desire or inclination that we should try to grow in ourselves and our students is search for truth. This is very important. As we have said, Islamic education is not just to inform, is not just to give information. That is part of it. Certainly you have to give proper information, knowledge to your students. But it's not just that. There must be search for truth, seeking truth. I had, uh, alhamdulillah, here in the same room, 
a series called Indicators of Piety. They are online and they're also published. Indicators of Piety. And some of the sisters might be here also. We discussed what are the signs of taqwa and iman. We said there are external signs. For example, that famous hadith of Imam Hassan al-Asghari about five signs of mu'min. Yeah? 51 rak'ah prayer, having your ring in the, on your, in your right hand, to put your forehead on uh, sand or you know soil or something from earth. Ziyara to Arba'in. So these are the five things that we have there. And I said these are external signs. These are the signs not to understand who is Mu'min. These are the signs to understand who is not moment. <laughs> so it's not that everyone who does these five is moment. Yes. Even a monafiq can do all these five. These are the signs to understand who is not moment. So it's very uh, kind of practical. Then after that we studied signs which are mentioned in hadith and the Quran for example when Allah defines who are muttaqin yeah for example kitab la hudan lil who are muttaqin alladhina yu'minuna bil ghayb wa yuqimuna as-salah or qad aflaha al-mu'minun then Allah explains then we discussed these signs then Using some references from Quran and Hadith, we finally came to this conclusion. That the greatest quality of mu'min is truthfulness. Everything goes back to truthfulness. Everything good originates from truthfulness. So that series is seven or eight lectures. You can, inshallah, watch. Plus, in the Hose in Akhlaq series, we had about maybe the same seven, eight lectures just on truthfulness. Then what is truthfulness? And why truthfulness is so important? I mentioned for you just two, three hadiths, but... This discussion is very important and needs more discussion. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. The Quran says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وَكُونُوا مَعَ الصَّادِقِينَ All those who believe have taqwa and be with those who are truthful. الصَّادِقِينَ 
Then in the Quran we have also Siddiqeen, which are one of those four groups of people who are on the top. من يُتَعِ الله والرسول فأولئك مع الذين أنعم الله عليهم من النبيين والشهداء والصديقين والصالحين وحسن أولئك رفيقا. There are lots of discussions about here. We leave it for another time. Just some hadith. One hadith is from رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم in which he said, La tanzuru ila kathrat salatihim wa sawmihim wa kathrat al-hajj wa al-ma'roof wa tantanatihim bil-layla. Don't just look at the fact that they say lots of salat, they fast a lot, they do lots of hajj and umrah, for example. They do lots of, you know, good work, community work. Even in the night, they wake up, they do tahajjud. Rasulullah says, these are not enough signs of a person being good. Look at their truthfulness and trustworthiness. Is this person who is praying and fasting and, you know, doing lots of good things, is he also truthful or, na'udhu billah, he tells lies? Is he a person that is amin, trustworthy, he gives the trust of people back, he never betrays or not? Imam Sadiq salam said, لا تغتروا بصلاتهم ولا بصيامهم. Do not be deceived by their salat and fasting. فإن الرجل ربما لهج بالصلاة والصوم حتى لو تركه استوحش. Sometimes a person has so many times prayed and fasted that it has become a habit. And he doesn't understand what he's doing. It has no spiritual impact on him. Just it has become a habit. And if he doesn't do it, he doesn't feel good. Just he wants to feel good. And this is why, you know, to some people who must not fast. For example, they are musafir or they are ill. And this is harmful. To, you say you must not fast. Say, no, I cannot. I have to fast. Are you fasting to please Allah or you are fasting to please yourself? And when a person is not able to stop fasting for the sake of God, then even when he fasts, you are worried why he is fasting. <laughs> because if the motivation was to please Allah, when Allah is not pleased, he should stop. When it doesn't stop, it means that in the first place also the motivation was not to please Allah. So, if he stops, he feels bad. He feels, you know, terrible. But test them when occasions 
arise in which they have to tell the truth or they have to deliver the trust. Of course, it's not just only physical trust that someone has given me something to... Even positions, for example, we have to choose someone for a position. If I'm not qualified or my friends are not qualified, I should not, you know, try to get this position for myself or my friends. Amana is not only physical amana. In another hadith, Imam Sadiq alayhi salam said, La tanzuru ila tule ruku arrajule wa sujudeh. Do not look at long ruku and sujood of people. He goes to ruku a few minutes. He goes to sajd a few minutes. MashaAllah. Yes. Alhamdulillah. But this is not a sign of this person being a good person. Again, Imam Sadr. This is something that he is used to it. فَلَوْ تَرَكَهُ إِسْتَوْحَشَ لِذَلِكَ If he stops, he would feel bad. وَلَكِنِ انظُرُوا إِلَىٰ صِدْقِ حَدِيثِهِ وَأَدَاءِ أَمَانَتِهِ But look at his truthfulness and trustworthiness. Yesterday I uh, had this in the recording this hadith Imam Sadiq alayhi salam says inna allaha azza wa jalla lam yab'ath nabiyyan illa bisadq al-hadith wa adai al-amanah ila al-barr wa al-fajr no messenger no prophet has been sent by God except that this was part of their mission to ask everyone to tell the truth and to deliver the trust back to its owners, regardless they are good or bad. Even if Yazid entrusts you with something, you have to give back. You cannot say, Yazid is a bad person, so I keep this for myself. Or give it to another person. I give it to the poor. <laughs> no. Trust has to be given back. Even Rasulullah, after all sufferings, killing, torture that Muslims went through, still he had some of the trust of the people of Mecca with him. And when he wanted to migrate to Medina, he asked Imam Ali to deliver this trust back to the people and then join him. This shows the level of commitment of Rasulullah. And this shows that these people, even after so many years of fighting him, still they had full trust in him. They knew that Rasulullah is not going to betray. You know, it's very important that your enemies know that you are truthful and trustworthy. This is the success. Sometimes people don't get it right. They look at short-term benefits. And they think that if, for example, here we don't tell the truth or, you know, we don't deliver the trust, it will be better. Even they think this is better for the truth. But this is not the case. Imam Ali Salam in that council that was deciding about who should be the third caliph, you know, there were six people in the council which was formed by the second council before his death. 
So he was offered to become Khalifa and the condition was to act according to Kitabullah wa Sunnat Rasulullah wa Sirat al-Shaykhain. If he was saying yes or diplomatically, you know, say something that they thought it is yes, he became a Khalifa. Yeah? And then when he is Khalifa, of course, things would be much different. But we could have Khilafa of Imam Ali, but then we would have lost him as the measure, as a standard for Sadq, for Haq. Then we would not be able to say Ali Yumma al Haq wal Haq Ali. So is it better for Shia of Ali to be with Haq or to be successful for short term? Imagine even if you can be successful. This is going to be for short because long term success comes with Haq. Never long term success comes with bottom. And one of the things that is very, very important is Haq and Batil have their own means and instruments. Haq and Batil. Okay? If there is a conflict between Haq and Batil, they have their own weapons, their own instruments, their own resources. You cannot use means of battle to help Haq. It's impossible. Can we tell lie and then help Haq? It's ridiculous. Can we deceive people and think that we are helping Haq? Can we do zulm and think we help Haq? It's impossible. When Rasulullah's son died, there was eclipse. And some people said, even the sky for the death of the son of Rasulullah is sad. Rasulullah didn't say this. He could have just kept silent and let people, some people think like this and Perhaps they become more mu'min. Yeah? But he said, no. This has nothing to do with the death of my son. These are signs of God in creation. It has nothing to do with the death of my son. So, he didn't accept something like this to be said by people and he keeps silent. He corrected them. He didn't want to have faith Anyway, what is the benefit of having faith by deceiving people or by forcing people? You know, Islam doesn't accept to put sword on people and say, you know, you embrace faith. It's not faith. It's not Islam. This is not the way that Rasulullah or Ahlul Bayt were introducing Islam. So, one of the things that the people who work for truth, for good, for justice, should always remember is not to be tempted 
to use any means of bottom. The people who work for truth, for justice, for virtues, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they should not be tempted to use or even try means of bottom. And one of the greatest victories of bottle is to make people of Haq use means of bottle. That is enough victory for bottle. Father? You know, it's not like physical battle that you can take the weapon of enemy and use against enemy. It's not like that. In moral battle, in battles of virtue against vices, you cannot take the weapon of enemy and use against enemy. The weapon of enemy, even if it is in your hand, is shooting at yourself. So, never ever we should try using means of battle. No way to succeed. Our success comes through our commitment to our values and our principles. In the battle of Safin, Muawiyah and his people first took control of water. They didn't let Amir al-Mu'mineen and his army to have water. Then they managed to get water back. And some people said, we should do the same. Imam Ali said, no. We don't block water. This is the beauty. The beauty is not that, you know, they had killed them or destroyed them. This is the beauty. So, what is important is not to be only doing certain good things, we should have good qualities and above all deep commitment to the truth and using only the means which are the means of the truth, means of virtues, means of goodness. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said, أَغْرَبُكُمْ مِنِّي قَدًا فِي الْمَوْقِفِ The nearest of you to me on the day of judgment are أَسْتَقُكُمْ لِلْحَدِيثِ Those who are more truthful. Those who are more or most truthful, they would be closer to me. So, this is very important desire and quality desire for finding the truth and the quality of being truthful these are very important things that we have to aim at if after reading and reflecting on these hadiths and verses if we don't treat the issue of truthfulness with seriousness then we are not doing proper job Inshallah, later I would say, if you want to measure your success, look at your students. And one of the things, one of the, in your checklist is, 
Are they truthful or not? If someone is truthful, even if he is not a believer at this point, sooner or later he would find his path towards the truth. If he's truthful, if he's seeking the truth, if he has no rest unless he finds the truth and submits himself to the truth, like Salman. Salman was a person who was seeking truth. Yes? He had a very comfortable life. But he was not satisfied with that. He went everywhere to look for the best presentation of truth. First, he found it in another religion. But still, he was looking for something more. Then he finally became Muslim. Question. Please think about it very carefully. Question. How long, how long it took Salman to be a good Muslim? To be a special companion of the Prophet. Even from day one he was a special. Why? Because he had the virtue of truthfulness. He just needed a little encounter with the truth. If someone is truthful and has not yet had encounter, so Salman, one day before Islam and one day after Islam, how much he has changed? He has not changed that much. Because he has the character, he has the clean heart, he has searched for truth, now he can see things better. Yes, he can see things better. He can find his path towards higher levels. But he is as good as he used to be. It's not that, you know, all of a sudden he has become a new person. On the other hand, you may have people who are Muslims from birth or for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. They are not even like Salman before Islam. Let alone Salman after Islam. Because if a Muslim is not truthful, is he is void. She is void. It's empty from inside. Yeah. Imagine a doctor who has no training, he doesn't know anything, just puts on white dress. You know, says, you know, I am doctor, do you see? I I have the, the dress of doctors on me. Or a sheikh who has no knowledge, no taqwa, has amama. Is amama is going to make me sheikh? Amama is not going to make me sheikh. Yeah. So, our actions are not necessarily signs of us being good persons. They should lead to that. So imagine if you are a good person, then years of 
prayer, fasting, charity should make you very, very high. But if we don't do these actions properly, we don't go anywhere. We seem to be almost stuck or sometimes even going backward because we don't know that these actions are to help us change, improve. We think it's just enough to do the actions. <coughs> For, you know, uh, this is my last point. Then we can have a break. For example, we want to make people loving people, charitable people. So we say, in order to make them charitable, let's get them into some charity projects. For example, there are people who have no food. So we would make food and go and distribute. But we just talk about distributing food. There is a great chance that we may have people who for years distribute food, but they don't become loving people. Because you have not invested on their understanding, on their intention, on their heart. You are just saying, distribute food. You know, there are many people who do charity work or social you know, services, but they are not very nice people. It has become just either a way of making money for you know, living or a habit. But... If with every meal that you distribute, you understand what you are doing and you put your love in this food that you give, that's different. Then if someone over years with love is feeding poor people, that person becomes an angel. So in our education, we should not just aim at some information or even just making sure that they do some actions. You have to look into their desires, emotions, their qualities of heart. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen.